welcome to Construction. Today we have a very special podcast episode. We've traveled outside the boundaries of the Tulsa District to an organization in the Corps of Engineers that really has no boundaries. We are at the U.S. Army Engineer Support Center in Huntsville, and I'm speaking with Bill Craven. Bill is the Deputy Director of Installation Support and Programs Management Directorate here at the Huntsville Center. Bill, thank you for taking the time to sit down with me and talk about what you all do here. Well, thank you, and uh, welcome to the Huntsville Center. On behalf of Chip Marin, our uh, Programs Director, and Colonel Sebastian Jolie, who is our commander, I want to welcome you and thank you for the opportunity to share what the Huntsville Center does with the Tulsa District Southwest Division and the rest of the core family. And also want to thank you for bringing the spotlight to Huntsville. You know, it's a it's a unique organization, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm really excited about being being back here in this part of the country. It's kind of where I where I come from. Um, so can you tell me about Huntsville and the Huntsville Center, what you all do? Well, Huntsville is kind of like this unique jewel in the South. It's a it's the Silicon Valley of the East, if you will. Um, we have a lot of um, engineers here. We have more engineers per capita than anywhere in America. We have the second largest research park in America and the fourth largest in the world. And, you know, we have Redstone Arsenal just across the, uh, the way there, which we are ten, uh, technically a part of. We'll be moving out there in 2024. Um, we're currently a little bit off the campus of Redstone. And it's the home to a lot of, you know, high-tech agencies. We have NASA out there. We have the Missile Defense Agency. We have the Space and Missile Defense Command. I mean, I could go on and on. And when you have that kind of uh, talent pool, if you will, that brings all the defense contractors and all the associated uh, people that go with it. So what you end up with is, is about 40 to 45,000 people working on the arsenal and most of them are engineers and scientists uh, with, you know, a smattering of everything else. And if you're in the military and you're familiar with the military, they have more generals than they have lieutenants out on the arsenal. That's how heavy the command structure is out there. So it's a really, really neat concept, if you will, when you come to it. Um, some of the bigger defense contractors we have are, you know, Boeing, uh, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, and the list just goes on and on. So that's but I'm telling you about Huntsville itself. It's just this rich talent pool, which we're a part of. Um, the Huntsville Center is, you know, it was stood up as the Huntsville Division in 1967, and its primary uh, mission back then was, or actually its only mission back then, was to, uh, for the, uh, the construction of the Safeguard Missile System, which was a uh, part of the, you know, Cold War Mutually Assured Destruction System, if you will. But Huntsville kind of morphed, and that's kind of the, the legacy of the Huntsville Center, back then again, the Huntsville Division, is it's rapidly adjusting. It morphs to the missions. And so what we do is we've become an enterprise um, resource for complex programs that are similar in nature. We've done chemical demilitarization, which is kind of unique. It's a, if you think about all the, after World War I and II, you know, the countries were stockpiling chemical weapons and, and in some cases, some of the countries used them in World War I. And so just like the nuclear weapons, the various opposing forces stockpiled them as a you know, deterrent. And we agreed that we would get rid of our stockpiles. And so we started building these chemical demilitarization plants. We built one in Anniston, one in Pueblo, Colorado, 
Umatilla, I think. Um, Kentucky has one in bluegrass, and we've been slowly but surely, and I think there's just a few rounds left, getting rid of all these, you know, these nasty things. And, and in fact, we even went to Russia, the center did. We had people in Russia helping them with their plant, kind of a, making sure it was happening. But that, that's the, uh, the whole way Huntsville works. Our programs director likes to call us the micro of the core. We do a lot of the dirty jobs that people don't want to do. Um, in 1995, the, the, the division restructured. We became the Huntsville Center. And we continued to focus on, you know, handling unique missions, odd things. Uh, we did the Operation Warp Speed with the COVID stuff. We, we were instrumental in that. Uh, we helped with Hurricane Maria cleanup in Puerto Rico. It's just a really unique um, center in the fact that we do that. Um, we have about 1,000 employees. Uh, we're here. The, the center of gravity is here in Huntsville. We have some employees up in uh, Virginia, and we have some employees out in Omaha, Nebraska. And like I said, uh, we are moving out to the Redstone Arsenal in January of 2024. We're very excited about that, and we'll all be under one roof. We have some satellite campuses. We'll still have our, our campus up in Virginia and out in, in uh, Omaha, but the rest of it will be all in together for the first time in 20, 25 years. Now, in, in, in our part of the, the country, in Tulsa, where I'm at, you know, we have military construction missions, and we, um, we do facilities for, for various installations in, um, in Oklahoma and Texas. Can you talk about um, what, the, the Huntsville Center, what the Huntsville Center does in terms of some of the work that, okay. that you're doing around the country? So we have what we call our portfolio. We have five main levels of effort in our portfolio. And they're divided, um, and I'll go through each one of them. So they're divided up. The first one is medical, and these are very specialized facilities. If you've, um, you know, we, you, you do standard Milcon construction, you do things like that. We do a lot of SRM construction ourselves, um, sustainment, restoration, modernization. But when you get to a hospital, it's very complex, um, you know, and you got to get it right. You've got medical gases. You've got um, vibration requirements because when the surgeon's cutting, you know, and doing something, you don't want the the, the room shaking. You might have a problem. Uh, lighting's got to be there. You got a lot of redundancy in the systems. You can't afford to have a you know the power blip and everything resets on the computers, the machines. So it's very complex. Um, the other thing about hospitals is they don't get rebuilt very often, if you think about it, especially in the military. We've been doing several recently, but most of them ago 50, 60, 70 years. So it's very difficult for a district to maintain that expertise, especially multiple districts. So instead of doing that, the Corps has, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, these centers of expertise, mandatory centers of expertise. And we happen to have one here in Huntsville. It's the medical uh, military, excuse me, the medical mandatory center of expertise. And um, we, we support the, uh, the districts with expertise and everything else. We still, the, the district still has the construction arm of it, but we assist them with the complexities that they're not trained to understand. So we're, we're kind of an, an assistant there. We also have a, um, an arm called the, I gotta get it right here, the um, operations, excuse me, it's the medical outfitting and, and transition part of it, and they're the ones that put the furniture into the hospitals. So, you know, it's not like a desk and a chair necessarily, but it's the operating suite itself. So that's kind of a, a unique thing that not a lot of people do. So we have that expertise as well. Is that is that sort of a subset of sort of the interior design 
facility. I just interviewed one of your interior designers. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we have a huge furniture program here. We have a, a, an assignment for furniture here in the Huntsville Center mission assignment. And we do a lot of work with them. But the medical is a, like a specialized set of that. Right. So, you know, because, again, not a lot of people do gurneys and things like that. So we have to do that. Um, and then we also have operations and maintenance for hospitals. And, again, it's very complex because they have unique requirements. The filters are, are much more stringent because you have to have clean air in the operating room, things like that. And it's just a very much higher standard than the typical DPW or installation um, master plan, uh, not master plan, civil engineer would do if it was an Air Force base, for example. Um, Huntsville is one of three core districts that have a, a medical support team, the other being Little Rock and Mobile, and we do all the support for the Defense Health Agency. Um, our second line of effort is base operations and facilities, and there's a lot of people that do this as well, but there are some unique things that we do. We do access control points. Uh, these are, you know, just facilities, but there are some unique things to them. They have to withstand, you know, a vehicle of a certain weight, going a certain speed, hitting a barrier and not letting it into the installation for the safety of the installation. So there's some unique things with that. Um, we have a ballistic missile defense mandatory center of expertise, and I did that for 20 years, so I could wax on on this for quite a while. I'll try not to. But they're very unique in that we have to build and design facilities that support the weapon system, and you cannot affect the weapon system's availability. So it has a lot of unique requirements because this weapon system might have a, an uptime of you know 99.9994%, and your facility can't impact that. So that means you've got redundant power, redundant everything, and you have power coming into the building in two different walls so that a single excavator can't take it out. And it's very complex, and there's a lot of extra requirements in a facility that you normally wouldn't have. So again, that's one of the reasons you have that mandatory center of expertise. And we also do, uh, I'll just do one more, ranges. Um, so we help the districts with ranges. The geographic districts build them. But we have the expertise on, you know, what the ranges require as far as timings and distances. And, and we work directly with the Army on that. And then the Army uh, has that trust in Huntsville to make sure things do well with that. So we help them with the charrettes. Our third line of effort is energy. And this is an area that, of course, has got a lot of attention right now because the, the uh, administration is big on energy. And in fact, we're doing a lot of um, EV stations, electric vehicle stations right now for um, Civil Works. We're doing them for AMC and MCOM. But our, one of our goals here is to make sure we provide the customer, you know, they need to be comfortable that the energy source they have is resilient, it's cyber secure, it's efficient, and it's not going to impact their ability to do the mission. So they, they, they don't need to be thinking about it. They just need to know that it's there and it's working. And so that's, that's our goal with that. So we give them what they need to make critical decisions, troubleshoot their current system, and help manage it. And we have a lot of unique things that we do with that. One of them is um, energy savings, performance contracting. The other one that we do a lot with. And what happens there is... Either a contractor, and that's the ESPC, or a utility company, and that's the UESC one, they fund all the work up front at no cost to the installation. So the installation gets all this new infrastructure that's much more resilient, much more efficient, and then they get paid back over the lifespan 
usually it's 20, 25 years, by the savings. So it's free to the Army or the Air Force, whoever does it. So it's a really good program for the uh, installations to have to, uh, to, to meet their requirements. Um, one other neat one we've been doing, we've had a lot of success with this, this thing called the Commercial Utilities Program. Um, and what that does is it, it's not a real you know, high-speed looking program, but they would do rate negotiations. And so recently we've had, um, we had one where uh, one of the bases, I think it was Fort Bragg, got told by the local power company that they were going to up the rates like 30%. And they go in and they work with the, uh, the Army uh, litigation. I'm trying to think of the actual arm of it. But they work with the Army side of it, and they negotiate down. And they right now have, this year, they have like a 60 to 1 return on the investment. So every dollar you give UEA, CUP, the program, they'll give you $60 in savings. or It's not a savings. I learned a long time ago. You don't save money. You have a cost avoidance. So it's a really neat tool where they're helping the, the basis stay within budget by negotiating cheaper, cheaper rates for the utility company. So a really neat program. Um, our fourth line of effort is the operational technology. And this is kind of like information technology. Everybody's familiar with that, but it's a little bit different. So, um, and, and we all know how much the world's gone digital lately, right? You, I mean, we moved back from Japan in 2020. We started looking at houses, and we went into this one house, and the oven was tied to the refrigerator, and it was tied to the Internet. And when you went shopping, you could put food in and scan it as it went into the refrigerator, and it would tell you what was in the refrigerator. You'd go to the oven, and the oven had recipes, and you'd pick a recipe, it would tell you what you had in the refrigerator, what you still needed to go buy, and give you the recipe. It was really slick. It's wild. But it's all connected. You know, you got the ring doorbell, you got the, um, you know, the, the cameras in the house, the, you know, smart lights and everything else. But you got to be safe with it, right? If somebody hacks into your house, suddenly, you know, your oven's coming on, your air conditioner's turning off, and we can't afford that on a military base. We can't it's, afford that, you know, when it comes to defense. We can't afford that in a hospital. So you have to be cyber secure. You have to do that risk management framework. And it's got to all work. So that's kind of one of the things we've been really working on here recently. And I'll give you a great example. Everybody remembers the Target hack many years ago. So they had a, a HVAC technician came in. He was working on their HVAC system, programming controls. Unknowns to him, or maybe it was known to him, a virus went up into it, went over to the financial system, and all the credit card data went out to the Internet. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that you can't have, and so that's kind of one of the things our operational technology does. Um, and certainly, last but not least, is our environmental level of effort. And uh, this one is not the typical core environmental level of effort. We do some really unique stuff. This is that chemical demilitarization I was telling you about. This is the um, ordnance and explosives. You said you had met with uh, somebody you'd gone to school with earlier this week, and that's where she works. Um, so we go in and we remediate. You know, all these old defense bases and formerly used, used defense sites have either environmental, ordnance, or both issues with them, and we help clean up that so it's safe for people to use. Um, and you know, again, there's a lot of those bases around that people don't realize. Um, a classic example is up in D.C. There's this area of town called Spring Valley, and they worked on chemical munitions back in the you know, early 1900s, World War One time frame. But we do a lot of work to try to you know get that stuff done. Um, 
Uh, final example there is in the end of the Iraq War in Afghanistan, there's a lot of captured munitions. I don't know if you read about that. And we had yeah. teams from Huntsville over there kind of managing those contracts to blow up all those old rounds so they wouldn't become, you know, IEDs later on or fall into the wrong hands. So just kind of a unique thing that we've been doing. Is there, is there anything about the, uh, the Huntsville Center that you'd like to add? Yeah, um, we're kind of unique. You know, earlier you had said Tulsa does a lot of MILCON work and civil works. We don't do that. Um, almost all of our bread and butter, if you will, is that facilities, sustainment, restoration, and modernization work I was telling you about. But uh, we do that. Um, we do like to. We do offer ourselves a support to the major command, the, the divisions, um, the, the districts, if they need anything uh, in civil works. We do some electronic security system stuff for the dams and stuff. But mainly, it's it's our our bread and butter is you know just the O and M piece, the operations and maintenance piece and the uh, facility sustainment, restoration, modernization. Um, another unique thing about Huntsville, which everybody knows, is we don't have a geographical boundary. We're the only entity without one that does a lot of the work. We execute programmatically. So, you know, we have all these programs, and that's the way we do it. So we don't have that boundary. We do programmatically. But when we do work, we do it under the mission assignment given to us by headquarters, or we try to do it with a what we call the first right of refusal, where we contact the geographic district if a customer comes to us from previous work and says, hey, Huntsville, we want you to do something for us. We will contact the, uh, the DPM at the district, the, uh, the head civilian, and the military integration division chief at the division and let them know that this has come and are they okay with us doing it? If not, they say no, we give them the point of contact, we steer the customer up. If so, then, then we work it out with them, and we start doing that work. Um, we also, when we do work, we make sure or we try to involve the district because they have all the local RE offices. They have the construction area offices, and, and they have people that are there, and it's a lot cheaper for them to do that oversight than it is for us to do the oversight. So we try to involve that um, we're actually working with a, a district, and I won't say who it is yet because we haven't signed the MOU, trying to get one of the overseas districts to do some safety checks for us. Uh, instead of us sending a safety specialist over to a project, why not have that district office send it because it's much easier, much faster, much cheaper. And uh, they actually came to us, but we haven't signed the MOU yet, so I won't do that. Um, but we are, um, we always try to be transparent. Um, I send out once a month, what we call an area of responsibility spreadsheet, and I send it to each division, and it goes to key leaders in that division, and all the districts that are in that division, it goes to their key leaders, and it's a listing of every project that Huntsville has in their AOR with points of contact, you know, what the dollar value is, who the customer is, so that they get it once a month, and they can see, and they shouldn't be surprised if suddenly Huntsville's in their area, and also if if maybe we haven't done a good job coordinated, then go, hey, you know, you haven't coordinated this, Brennan. What's going on? Please, please contact us. So that, that helps try to be more transparent. So I, I understand you're, um, you're in the Installation Support and Program Management Directorate. And so you're the deputy director of that. What does the work that you all do um, in ISPM look like? Okay, so Huntsville has over 40 programs, unique programs that they work on. And... ISPM has about 30 of them. So uh, what we, we partner with you know, the various customers, the districts, um, the divisions, to do a lot of work for them. And uh, 
you know, we are basically the program management cell of the Huntsville Center. We have about 175 project managers and program managers within the directorate. And then, you know, we have 40 or 45 project management specialists, and then you have the supervisors, and that kind of comes up to what we are. But we do, like, the full-spectrum, you know, project program management. We follow the, um, i got to find it, the Project Delivery Business Process. They just changed that acronym, so I want to make sure I got it right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and we do everything from, you know, restoration, modernization, sustainment. Um, We do engineering and design service support and and ESS, uh, which is electronic security systems, intrusion detection systems, utility monitoring control systems. Um, And then I talked a little bit about the innovative third-party financing. That was that energy savings performance contracting where, you know, we get the contractor to fund the big stuff up front. Um, We had talked about furniture a little bit. So we have a a furniture program, and they do the furniture for all of the Army barracks and admin space. So we've got a big work right now we're doing up in New York District's uh, area of responsibility at West Point. So West Point's building new barracks. We're outfitting the barracks with furniture. They're building new admin space. We're outfitting that. Um, We're at the Army War College doing that. So there's a lot of work that we do in the furniture program. And again, it just doesn't make sense to have that kind of sell everywhere. I mean, Huntsville Center has like 20 plus interior designers where most districts have two, you know, so it's that the throughput doesn't make sense. So that's why we, that's one of the reasons we do that. Again, most of the the lines of effort we have, so we have um, in those five lines of effort, we have energy, we have base ops and facilities, we have, um, gosh, I got to think, operational technology is with us, medical is with us, and there's elements of that, you know, we're a big PDT, so there's elements of that over in engineering as part of our PDT, safety is a key part of our PDT, legal is part of our PDT, contracting, and they sit together as a team, but, you know, as the project program manager, they're the leader of the PDT, so that's inside Huntsville Center, and then we also have a uh, installation support center of expertise within ISPM uh, since 2007, currently being renewed as we speak. So you kind of brought up the, the furniture program and, and, and some of that work, and that kind of jumps to the next question about what some of the work you're doing in, in my district, in the Tulsa district area of operations. So sure, I can send you the spreadsheet and list you everything, and you can sort <laughs> by Tulsa. But uh, now, um, we just did a access control point um, at Fort Sill. So we, we know we, we've been pretty much modernizing uh, the Army. The Army's going from those big, heavy steel uh, barriers that pop up right. to what they call an active, uh, I don't know, I'm going to misquote it, but it's a net. Mm-hmm. And the net's much quicker to replace, and it's not as damaging to the, you know, it's much faster to, to, to reset. It's one of the things we do. Um, we've got some furniture work we're doing at Fort Sill for you guys. Um, medical work. Uh, we've been doing some work at Shepherd Air Force Base and our medical support teams. Um, and like I said, you know, that our medical support teams, that's uh, part of a big MOU that the Corps signed with DHA, and it's, it's huge. It's in the billions of dollars. I think $7 billion the MOU is over the lifespan. So we're part of that. Uh, so what kind, of, what kind of work has the center been doing in, in, the, other, in, the, in the rest of the Southwestern Division? So I, we have like Little Rock and we have um, Fort Worth and Galveston and – and, and then we have our division headquarters there. Sure, sure. Um, and again, we, we do electronic security system work. We do medical. Um, and I can go into detail on some of this furniture. 
Uh, we've worked on Joint Base San Antonio, Fort Bliss, Laughlin, Dias, Goodfellow. I could go on. Wow. Um, we kind of like, I don't want to say we have our fingers in all the pies, but um, everybody has a need for furniture, for example, at some point. Uh, in fact, uh, I know it's not you guys, it's NWDs, Northwest Division, but uh, Fort Riley just came to us recently right. and they want to upgrade all of their furniture. So again, so it, we're just kind of all over because we have that specialty niche. I believe that's Kansas City District. It is, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, some recent examples is, I mean, everybody's heard of William Beaumont Army Hospital at Fort Bliss. It's a, it's a really big, it's, I think it's the newest big hospital that they've done. It was over a billion dollars. And our medical outfitting and transition program outfitted that hospital with all the furniture and everything else. So big, big purchase for, for uh, the big part of the hospital outfitting and big per- part of the, the hospital construction was getting it ready for patients. So um, another one, uh, we did an energy savings performance contract at Dias. And, you know, as everybody's trying to become more resilient, you know, you're talking about, you know, if the power gets shut off at the gate, can we still operate the key, you know, critical infrastructure? So we've been helping the, the, uh, the various installations do that. We did that at Dias. Um, sometimes it's solar, sometimes it's windmills, uh, a combination of that with a microgrid. It's just things that, you know, make the base be able to stand alone a little bit until they get power back on. And it's all about, again, conserving energy, but still being resilient and still being able to meet the mission. So I, I noticed that over the years and kind of looking at the, the history of Huntsville and, and based on our conversation, there's been a lot of transformation and transition and, and change and sort of like it, it, adaptation seems to be a big, a big theme with, with the Huntsville Center over the years. And how have, uh, how did you end up in in the in the Huntsville Center world, have you been here your whole career? Or? Oh no! <laughs> so I was in the Army. I uh, got out of the Army and I went to Mobile District. And from Mobile District, I wanted to get closer to home. And after about four or five years, I came to Huntsville Center, uh, stayed here for a few years, and then got pulled up to Alaska to do some um, missile defense work when they were doing Fort Greeley. Um, came back to Huntsville, and then actually worked at Missile Defense Agency. I left the core family, if you will, went and worked at Missile Defense Agency, did a lot of uh, requirements analysis, system engineering out there. And we got to a point where construction was getting ready to happen in Europe. So then I took a job with the Europe District because I wanted to see what I had worked on get built and stayed there for several years. Uh, They changed the program about then. We went to Aegis Ashore. Uh, After five years there, came back to the Missile Defense Agency, Uh, worked a project out in Japan, and then came back over to Huntsville Center again. So it's kind of like my, my center of the wagon wheel spoke, if you will. Uh, worked here for a few years and then got a, an interesting offer to go to Japan and do some more construction, an FMS case study and a, a, and a missile defense um, radar that was going to go in. And again, I wanted to see it built. And then COVID hit. <laughs> so I came back here because those programs got canceled. And so this is my fourth or fifth tour at the Huntsville Center. But that's the cool thing about Huntsville. You don't have to leave Huntsville. Right. It's got such a diverse, you know, programmatic aspect to it where if you want to work energy, you can work energy and really get into the details of it. But if you get tired of doing that and you want to go work, you know, electronic security, you can do that. And it's just a huge gamut of things that you can do. So it's really cool in that aspect that you can do that. Um, it's a, 
One thing about Huntsville, and it probably comes through the whole, the way this podcast is going, is we have an expeditionary mindset as well. So we're not afraid to, to take on the hard challenges. Um, again, you know, when COVID was ramping up and they were talking about converting conference, you know, convention centers into hospitals, yeah. Huntsville Center was, you know, way involved in that. And when the power grid in Puerto Rico went out, you know, Huntsville Center had the expeditionary, we had contracts that could handle that in Afghanistan, Iraq. And so it's just one of the things that we do. And it's just the way we're wired here is, you know, we have that true, you know, let us try a seance core attitude. So are you, uh, are, what specialty of engineering did you have? Is it, are I'm you a civil engineer. So, you know, okay. master, jack of all trades, master of none. So <laughs> Huntsville kind of fits me well. You know, I can, I can do many things. But I'm not a specialist in anything. So I'm not a structural or I'm not electrical. I'm not, you know, mechanical. I'm just kind of a, but I haven't really done that engineering for many, many years. I've been mainly going into uh, project and program management. But your, your career with the, with the Corps and with the Army um, over the years has enabled you to work in a lot of different areas. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, and work on a variety of projects. Um, what would you say, because like there's, there's such a challenge attracting engineering talent. And I'm sure I, I, I see that, like you said earlier, we, there's more engineers here than, than anywhere else. Um, what do you have to do to attract engineering talent at, at say the Huntsville Center or, or anywhere in the core? What do you think is? I think a lot of it with the kids nowadays is, you know, of course, a lot of the kids nowadays, you know, they want remote work and they want telework and all that stuff. So there's that aspect of it. But to me, it's got to be something that's interesting. Um, so one of the things I enjoy the most about the Corps of Engineers is inside the Corps, I can go to 43 different districts and centers and I can. So, you know, if I like the Northwest, I can go to the Northwest. If I want to go overseas, I can go overseas. So you have that. um that's the word I'm looking for. Diversity Not, of... Diversity, I was going to say dichotomy. Regions. You, yeah. you have the ability to move around and, and stay within it. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to get my son to come to the Corps. He's an engineer in Atlanta working in a, a construction, and I'm trying to get him to come. Because, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is the federal government and the Corps of Engineers is one of the few places where you still get a pension. Right. <laughs> so, you know, is it as... Uh, you know, does it sound as cool as, you know, I work in Atlanta doing this, that, and the other? Well, guess what? We have, a, we have an office in Atlanta. You can work in Atlanta. Oh, I want to work, uh, you know, in the Northwest Coast. We have an office in Portland. We have an office in Seattle, you know. I like California. Well, good, good news. We've got offices all over California, you know. So right. there's a lot you can do. And I think that's what we got to sell people is the diversity of the core, the ability to work many different things and not just tie yourself into one. And the ability to move around if you need to and you feel like you want to move around. If you don't, it's stable. So it's, it's, a, great, it's a great career path. The government is a much better career path than it's given credit for. But it's, it's worked for me and it's worked for everybody around us. So. And, and you know what's interesting is like if you get tired even within your specific field, or you, maybe you need a break but you don't want to do an entire career change, there's always those uh, developmental opportunities and civilian expeditionary workforce opportunities. Yeah, you can, you know, they always have a need for, you know, grades from 5 to 15 in Kuwait, 
you want to go do that. But just what you said, there's a lot of developmental opportunities you can go do. Um, there's a lot of details. So, you know, they come across the, 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 um, the email quite a bit where, you know, Kansas City needs somebody for 120 days to backfill somebody who's doing something else or whatever. So you can go get a taste of that, you know. So it's, it's, a, it's a really, it's got a lot of flexibility, a lot more flexibility than you think it would as a government agency. I was talking to one of your, um, one of your um, interior designers just, just before I was talking to you today, and, uh, Stephanie Woods, and she was talking about serving, um, serving service members and, and providing a product for them, providing a place for them to sleep and work that they – that they can, that she can be proud of and that they can enjoy and, and be proud of. Can you talk about it, being a veteran yourself, right? Um, can you talk about, about serving the, yeah. serving the warfighter? I mean, you're stealing my thunder at the end, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> that's one of the coolest things, you know, and, and people, I had to give opening comments at the uh, safety forum yesterday morning. And, you know, one of the things I led with is the most important thing that we do is provide, and i got to get it right because we, got, we added the guardians, you know, the soldiers, sailors, airmen, marine, guardians, the DOD civilians, families, and even contractors in a forward deployed area, we provide them the facilities and the resources they need to do their job. And their job is to, you know, further the nation's interests, protect us, you know, our great country. So... It is an honor, you know. It was it, it was cool. I, just like you, I was in the reserves. So I did you know some active duty time, and I went into the reserves, and so I was dual hatted as a DoD employee and also as reserves for thirty years. So you know, you could see some of what you were doing, you know, and and it's so it's it's really neat. Um, a classic example, you know, you, you read about the the Fort Bragg mold issue, right? Well, we have a, a facilities reduction program, and so they wanted to tear down the Volar barracks. That's what we're doing. And, and our facilities reduction program is a GSA best in class. So, I mean, they do it cheaper and faster and better than anybody else that GSA has. So that's a, just a neat way we're supporting it. So we're going to get rid of those barracks so they can build new ones instead of having you know to contract them out individually and everything else. And at the end of the day, that supports the soldier. That, that is at Fort Bragg. So that, that's just a really neat aspect of it. Yeah. Well, uh, Bill there, I really appreciate you taking the time. I, I know you have a lot to do and, and you have a lot going on here. Um, you, you all are, are doing so many different things. And I had no idea uh, just how much when I, when I contacted your, your PA and I was like, Hey, I'm going to come into town. I want to, I want to talk to your people about some of the work they, they do around the country. But um, I, I want to thank you for taking the time to sit down with us and, and give us an opportunity to, to learn more about um, the Huntsville Center because it, it really is amazing. Like when I was talking to Scott earlier and I, he said, oh, we've, got a, we've, got, we've got some different jobs that they are very interesting. We've got interior designers. And I, I stopped and I said, I, I can't. What? You've got interior designers? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's it, amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. I said, I want to talk to one of them. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and if you were in a typical district, you'd have two or three to pick from. Right. Here you have 20. You uh -huh. know, it's just, it's the nature of the programs we have. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, was there anything I didn't ask you about that I should have asked you about or that you'd wanted to address? Well, like I said, you know, the business and world news just ranked Huntsville as the number one city in America. So we're always, uh, we're always recruiting. So people want to, uh, 
a chance to work in many different programs. They can always come here. Um, and, and, you know, we're always looking. But, uh, no, I, you know, Huntsville is like the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the emergency stopgap for the Corps. That's the, that's the way I feel. Um, you know, when something comes down that's unique, that uh, doesn't fit in a single boundary or a single AOR of a district or a division, you know, that's what we're here for. Um, I know, again, a lot of people think that we, for we have, at any given time, I think we have 19 to $25 billion worth of contracts on hand. And I know right now, just ISPM, where I work, the support installation support programs manager, I think we have 11 billion currently underway to, to replenish. So um, we are a tool in the enterprise toolbox. So don't be afraid to use us. Uh, that's what we're here for. Well, thank you again for taking the time to sit down with us. Thank you for joining us for Core Construction. Core Construction is a production of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Public Affairs Office. This episode of Core Construction was brought to you by the U.S. Army Engineer Support Center, Huntsville. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.